Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birkenroad Reports. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Wherever you are right now, take a look around. If you're in the car, check out the dashboard. You probably take it for granted, but somebody had to design every component of it. If you're at your desk, everything that's on it, from your computer to business cards to a coffee mug, they all had to be designed by somebody. In our case here at Social, I'm looking at knives, forks, plates, glasses, and an impressive architectural interior that includes rough-hewn wooden ceiling beams and a, and a cement floor. Somebody had to design every piece of that. Strangely, seeing that every single thing in the world had to be designed, it's amazing how few designers you run into. To rectify that, we've invited two very different Acadiana designers to have lunch with us. Lisa Bork designs houses and spaces we work and live in. Lisa's an architect and residential and retail designer uh, whose work you can find all over her native Acadiana and also in California. Lisa, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. It's so nice to be here today. We're glad to have you. The, uh, now, Jared Stepp's designs can be found all around the world. Jared and his partner at i10 Distribution design cables and earbuds for the iPhone that users worldwide agree are superior to the stuff that Apple makes. Jared, that's a big deal. Welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me, glad to be here. <laughs> now Jared, I'll start with you. I've always assumed a cable is a cable. Uh, the charging cable that comes with the iPhone seems to work just fine, at least for a while till it breaks. Uh, but apparently a cable is not just a cable, and a lot of people seem to know that. Uh, when you came up with just a promise to make a better iPhone cable, you raised almost 170000 on Kickstarter. Today your cable is a favorite of iPhone users around the world. Start at the beginning. What's the difference between Apple's cable and yours? Well, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but the Apple cable on Apple's website is the most negative reviewed product on Apple.com. Wow, okay, good <laughs> so place to start. So there's a lot that can be improved. Um, first off, we had a cable we were actually making, uh, and it was just plastic, regular, and we were getting the same type of negative reviews. Uh, it was actually the product that was failing the most for us. And so that's where we took the opportunity to decide, let's make something better. Um, and so we started off with uh, steel encasing around the chip, which most users don't see, but That's kind of where it breaks, right? They're right, right in there. Right, yeah. when the chip, the little tip comes out, and it stays in the phone. So uh, we went, uh, we put nylon braiding around the plastic to make it more durable, aluminum finishes, and we made it six feet. Uh, the now problem- it, What's a regular cable, like three? Three feet, okay, yeah. all right. And that's kind of perfectly engineered to charge your phone. Um, so the problem you have when you go to twice that, you lose half the charge, right? And so one of the things we did was engineer a fast charge to where Apple's three foot charges at 1.8, right? Our six foot charges at 2.2. So our six foot doesn't lose any charge, it actually charges faster. Wow. And then the biggest thing that everyone likes is the price point. Like, we wanted to make a really good cable that didn't cost an arm and a leg. So, uh, our six-foot nylon braided cable retails for the same price as Apple's six-foot cable. 
and our resellers who sell it in their brick and mortar stores actually receive more profit points on it. So it's a, it's a clear win for the customer and for the retailer. And where is it sold? How much of your business is online versus retailers, and who are those retailers? Mostly it's retail for us. We do a little bit online, but we rely heavily on the partnerships we have with our resellers. Uh, we started off right here in Lafayette with The Orchard, uh, which ah, is a right. Apple specialist store, and the In-N-Out phone repair store on Ambassador. And of course, uh, since we've started, that organization has blown up to over 65 stores across the country. Blown up is not often a word Meaning positive, but good. Positive. Let's go with yes. that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we're talking about cell phones, blowing up does sometimes <laughs> yes. have a negative yeah. connotation. Um, but yeah, they, they've really been expanding. We were able to expand heavily into the Apple specialist market, but uh, the Kickstarter really got us the attention internationally. We had backers all over the world, and we started to get requests from all over the world. Now Lisa, you come from Acadiana, you graduated from UL, and then spent a good deal of time as a successful architect in California. Uh, in 2004, you moved home but continued working for clients in California. That would seem to be the best of both worlds. Uh, what led you to eventually move away from that business model and focus your energy on designing principally for clients here in Acadiana? In the end, four, four years of traveling back and forth meant I was uh, not in the right place at the right time. You know, and, and that so was back and forth was living out in California and coming living, for family? Living here, starting in 2004 and flying back to California once a month for about 10 days, seven to 10 days. And, it, and I kept that up for four years. And Good for frequent flyer miles. Great for frequent <laughs> flyer miles. <laughs> exactly, so it has some really good points. And a lot of the uh, work in that time frame was for repeat customers who I already had an established rapport with. So it, uh, it was more about maintaining an existing relationship and just expanding on projects that they already had. There and were a couple, of, couple of new clients, but for the most part it was repeats. When you have new builds, your, uh, your style is, is predominantly contemporary? Yes, yes. Um, of, of course, I'm, um, I would say uh, the classic d design school uh, concept is learn the tradition, understand the tradition, get good at the tradition, and then you can break the rules and uh, try different things. And so that's true. In my Early on in my career, we did do a mix of contemporary and traditional residences, and so School of Hard Knocks. You learn why the masters did it the way they did, and then you <laughs> then you're able to apply all those same uh, problem-solving skills and uh, curiosity about current and combine it with the curiosity about current materials, current trends, current lifestyles, and kind of merge them all into one. Right. And you know, you're both uh, students from UL Architecture. Which so, is yes. excellent. I know, excellent. Secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone that came through Fletcher Hall on UL's campus is a little bit, there's a, an inside brethren, yes, that really, you. Yes. Fletcher Rats. Fletcher Rats. Fletcher Rats. Oh, Staring around in the middle of the night trying yes. to get a project done. Upstairs, it's like downstairs. It's just Red Bull and cigarettes. Vending machine food, yeah, yes. for sure. Uh, uh, yes. Now, Lisa, you do something in an area that I, I just personally find so fascinating, and that is this, oh, I don't know, tiny houses or small spaces, or whatever you call it. Yes, I, uh, I'm actually launching a, a workshop um, next month, towards the end of the month, to do just that, to talk about small house living. So the, the goal of the workshop is to um, find out what, what could work for you um, in a small house format. Uh, the beginning of the conversation for homeowners about uh, small scale and sustainable living, 
um, as well as... Um, so not just the houses, but the, the, the idea behind the... The idea of the housing. How, how did small house... Uh, how do you create a community of small houses? I'm a huge component of the small... Uh, small, small living. Small yeah, living. Japanese architecture does it really well. I've got to ask you, Jared, the, uh, you've, we talk about the cable product, but you've got another product that could be even bigger, right? These earbuds? That's what we're hoping for. So... Um, we rely a lot on our resellers to kind of tell us uh, exactly what it is they need. And so they, we saw that there was a demand for a, a higher-end headphone that didn't cost a lot, right? We all had the Beats at work. And the problem is they're, they're expensive. Yeah, they are. They sound nice. They break. They're plastic. I mean, it's not the... And we said, well, what we did with the cable. What if we did that for an earbud, you know, where it's, it's not all this plastic and it's, you know, nylon braided, aluminum finishes. It's durable, but it sounds great. You know, and so that's kind of where we started on that journey nine months ago, was creating a really good headphone, just like our cables. Um, and then, of course, all the rumors started swilling around about Apple dropping the 3.5 millimeter right. headphone jack on the 7. And then Motorola came out with a phone that did just that. It, they dropped, it was the first one to drop the headphone jack. And so uh, we knew it was gonna be a trend. And so we started researching it, and Apple does have a program for their, for that particular chip that does audio and video. And so we said, let's take what we got on the 3.5, let's make it into Lightning, and let's put it out in the world and see what happens. And so that's kind of what we did. Uh, we went back to Kickstarter and put it on there. So we well exceeded our goal uh, of 10,000 by about eight or nine times. $10,000 was our first goal. Oh, was yeah, our minimum yeah. goal. And we've exceeded that by about eight times that. Whoa. So, now, you and you're dealing now um, worldwide, right? And so they, I would suspect, in addition, right, you probably have got the, the shipping all down and such, but people, consumers in different countries are probably have some differences. What, have you run into that? Oh, a lot. And that's kind of the, the, the weirdest thing for me is understanding some of the different countries that we're in and their spending habits, you know? Um, like... It's not cliche, but Dubai, right? They order three times more gold cables than any other color. Everywhere else, our black cable outsells every other color, except in Dubai and uh, Muscat and Oman. So it's, gold's really big over there. Um, India is a completely different mindset. It's a market we're just getting into. It's a hard market for technology. Um, we were talking earlier, Apple you know, released a fi iPhone 5SE just to get into that market. So even Apple's kind of had its, its eyes set on India trying to get in there. And so um, they just have the mentality they'd rather buy a $5 product that would last a month than a $20 product that'll last a year or two. So you have to kind of deal with that yeah. mentality because our whole product is about durability. You know, we have quality yeah, and durability is, yeah. and lifetime warranty. Um, so you kind of have to adjust to that and see what you can do, you know? And so we finally, it's been over a year we've been talking to India and we're just getting to the point where, all right, let's start bringing products in, you know? Um, Brazil's another one, you know? Like Brazil's got some of the highest import taxes in the world. So getting stuff in, but if you have like, if you produce uh, so much percentage of the product in Brazil, you can bypass all that. So one of the things we were looking at was, well, what if we got our, our packaging printed in Brazil, then we could bypass all the, you know, a lot of the taxes because so much a yeah. percentage of the product was being made in Brazil. In Brazil. Well, you know what, because Lisa, you, he's got an advantage in that with this Kickstarter, He's kind of being told what's going to work, you know. But uh, but you, uh, on the other hand, 
um, you've got clients coming in uh, uh, with sometimes I would imagine with a lot of details of what they're looking for and some kind of written on a cocktail napkin. Uh, what do you do? This is kind of tricky, but what do you do when the client has terrible ideas? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Sometimes there are terrible ideas, and, and it's my job to, in the most tactful way possible, uh, explain to them, here's a better idea. So in, instead of just going down the list and saying, no, 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 we're not going to do these <laughs> things, I'll just throw out, have you ever considered this as an alternative? Or tell me, I, I, that's how it starts. And then it slowly becomes a conversation. Do you, do you like to read? Do you like to cook? It, it's less about me sitting down with a client and telling them this is what your house is going to look out and more about me saying, tell me who you are. Tell me about uh. your life and let's design a space that suits your life. I want you to walk in at the end of the day and take a deep breath and feel like, you know, hand in glove, that it fits, that That's you feel comfortable. That's where you needed a minor in psychology, right? Well, and so I, many people have said, uh, architecture is the practice of psychology without a license, and it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I find for the people who are most successful in architecture and design, they can come into a room and smell the fear, you know, and you just, ah. you've got to quiet the fear in the room. And oftentimes that's what happens. I've been told that by contractors. You're very good at when you come in, the client immediately takes a, a, it's a sigh of relief. Takes and a I deep know breath. You, you have a, um, an odd part of your business where you don't have business cards. I don't. It's that, one of those Tell us why that works aside from the $5 <laughs> savings. What is the, yeah. All the work is referral. It just ends up always being referral. Uh, there's never been a Yellow Pages ad. There's never been um, me going out and hustling business. It, it's always referral, and that's because once I get to know someone and can pr provide a successful product, a successful design, they get to know me, and they can't wait to tell other people. Can they remember your people. name? Yes, and, uh, absolutely. <laughs> they can't was, wait to tell. You it on their arms. What do you do? They, uh, <laughs> can't wait to uh, tell their friends and family about me, and it spreads that way. And so it's almost sort of like I get my clients to do my marketing for me. Sorry if anyone's listening, um, but that's... Well, no, that's, that's the best affirmation you can have. the best affirmation. You know, is, you know you're on the right track. You know you're on you the know? right track to hear, especially if someone calls and says, I got your number from so-and-so, and they couldn't stop raving. You're listening to Out to Lunch. My guests are designer and architect Lisa Bork and designer of iPhone and other electronic accessories, Jared Stepp. This is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. Oh. And uh, you're at work one day, and your phone rings. Uh, you see it's your brother-in-law calling. He usually only calls when he needs to borrow a couple hundred bucks to pay off a bar tab. But this time, it's not the same old conversation. Lisa, your brother-in-law tells you he saw this great thing while he was out surfing in Mexico. People put water in a plastic bag, sometimes with a coin in it, and hang it from the porch ceiling to keep bugs away. He's got a great idea. Make a designer version of that and call it Bork's Bug Bags. He'll handle everything. All you have to do is design it and put in a little cash to pay his salary uh, just till he gets rolling. Are you in? I'm going to say that sounds like an incredible opportunity, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to decline. <laughs> really? <laughs> so you think maybe someone else should do this? Absolutely. If there's what? a market, someone else should jump right in. Well, what's the issue there uh, for you? Is that uh, you like the idea, you probably probably could design something pretty cool. Yes. Um, what would keep you out of that market? What would keep me out of it is all the things that <laughs> my 
fellow table mate just talked about. It's customer service and having a team that can manage the image, that can understand the demand, that can tweak it, that can ship it. And you, I think in business you need to play to your strengths. And my strengths are personal relationships, one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. And so, it's a good thing to know your strengths Yes, and your it's a good thing to know, <laughs> absolutely. Now Jared, your brother-in-law says he heard this thing on NPR about hearing. Some audiology expert has said that everybody that uses earbuds to listen to music today is going to have a hearing problem when they get older. There's going to be a huge future in hearing aids. You've got the technology and skill to research and build a super cool hearing aid, and your brother-in-law says uh, for a piece of the action, he'll be the vice president of the new division, and he's even got a great name for it, I-11. It's one louder than I-10. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to tell him? Oh, I-11. Um, that's hilarious. You know, if, if that actually pans out and that's where the market is, I'll probably need one myself. Oh, so <laughs> I'm, we might as well start it up. You start know, a, start, start up. the hearing aid start company. Yeah, at least I'll have product for myself, you know? Um, and it's funny, but it's true. Like, uh, it's one of the coolest things about what I do is, you know, I design products that I want. And, and test them out, and, and then we see other people like it too. And that's, that's awesome, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it kind of starts with, with that. You with know. your own personal need. And yeah, like, you know, what do, what do we want? You know, uh, like I told you before, all of us had beats, and it was like, this is my second pair. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really bad on my headphones. Apple headphones don't like maybe two or three months, you know? And I, I was definitely the tester for a lot of the prototypes, you know? <laughs> Listen to the bad customer category. I was, yeah. and, and Pierre was sitting here researching. And that's your partner, that's right? That's my partner, yeah. It's me, Pierre, Megan, and Mark. Megan is our logistics, our customer service. She's awesome. Mark does all of our marketing. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, so I would, as a Pierre, they stopped working, and he'd, so he would start pulling up um, things on the internet about good headphone care. Like, you're not supposed to do this with it. You're not supposed to wrap them around your phone. You're not supposed to be swinging them while you're talking <laughs> to people. And I'm a fidgeter, right? So it's like, nothing. I won't even notice. And he's like, that's why you, headphones don't last for you. And I was like, I'm the, I'm the perfect person for this then. Because if they can survive me, they'll be fine oh, for yeah. the regular person. That's actually great. I and love why that. I think it's going to work for you is you're, you designed really cool stuff. Like, I saw the earbuds are kind of held in the back of your, your neck, yeah. and uh, that's for it. And I think the problem with hearing aids is people, uh, this, whole, my, this whole next generation is going to need them and such, um, they want them to look cool. So you could probably make a cool looking hearing aid. Uh, you know, if I, if I were, I would try to make it to where you couldn't see it at all. You know, yeah. they're getting so much smaller and uh, they're getting so much smaller and also more diverse. Hearing aids do a lot more, you know, as far yeah. as connecting to devices now, right? How about if you made it super cool, like it said Fender on it, like it'd be a guitar. <laughs> that, right, yeah, like that just would completely camouflage it yeah. as something else. So I'm just faking audio problems. Well, I wonder too if it, it became more like a piece of jewelry that you put oh. on your ear that's something that you do express, that you don't hide, that's the exact opposite. Oh, I like it. Something oh. that you show. I can't wait to we get back A little diamond ear. Let's oh. Oh, blue, yeah, diamond yeah. blue. I'm telling oh, it's all right. the rage in Paris, trust okay, me. We'll, we'll oh. get together this week and start a Kickstarter. Oh, audio bling. I don't, audio I, don't bling. I don't know about the mosquito bag, but we're definitely <laughs> going forward on the uh, Wouldn't it be great if you, we bring you back to social in five years and the two of you have teamed up and you're multi-zillionaires? <laughs> I, I would do the mosquito bag if it worked, trust we me. In Louisiana, oh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> this ought to be where it comes from, yeah, right? There's I mean, look, if it works and the people want it, I'll make mosquito bags. <laughs> 
Well, I have a that, brother-in-law that can sell you the idea. Exactly. It's there you go. Absolutely. Keep it the family. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jared, how do you actually research and engineer these things, and where is it all done? So a lot of it's done here in Lafayette, but the actual manufacturing is, uh, takes place where everything takes place electronically, and that's in China. So, yep. um, but I mean, you designing out? You've got a little office downtown, or how does it work? We work in the oil center, but we also like my background is in design, right? And I never went to school for electrical engineer or audio engineers. Um, but thankfully, being in Lafayette, uh, in an oil-driven town, you have those people that you can work with, right? And that's what we've kind of done, uh, is work with local people here to kind of get some of those specs down. And then we've worked with a lot of engineers in China who know the products forward and backwards and can really tell us what can be done and what can be possible as far as what we want to do. And I'll give you a, a good example. We, The magnetic thing was the coolest thing for me, right? Because, again, one of the, one of the care points for headphones is don't, you know, put them all in your pocket. and So the magnetic feature is really cool because they're just right there on the back of your neck. They're super easy. You just want to disconnect them, boom, in your ear. So they're always right there. Um, and so when we went to design the lightning cable, um, we were able to draw a little bit more power from the phone than the 3.5 millimeter jack. So there were some things that can only be achieved in Bluetooth that we could achieve with the lightning headphones. And so, Something simple as um, we came up with a magnetic response control chip. And it's really, the basis of it's really simple. It's like a Honeywell alarm system, right? It's magnets, window opens, magnets get distraught, it triggers, right? Same simple exact concept that's been around for years. We said, let's put that in the headphones. So when they separate, it'll start playing music or it'll say hello. And when they connect, it'll stop the music or it'll say goodbye, you know? So we were able to develop that off of something that's pretty, you know, pretty routine in most people's lives. And all this did not come out of that Fletcher building. This came out of <laughs> Jared's head. Fletcher was the beginning, <laughs> okay. trust me. It's always the beginning. Um, always the beginning. We've, we've also got a great team. Um, you know, I do, a lot of the, I do a lot of the sales and talk to the clients a lot. Um, and then, of course, I have a hand in everything as far as it goes, but my pillar is mostly sales. Um, you know, Pierre, who came from a sales background, not a design background, does most of the designing now. So wow. it's, I came from design, <laughs> I'm doing sales. He came from the sales, and he does a lot of the design. It's, well, it works. That's it the does. key. It does. It works really well. And Lisa, let me ask you, the, in terms of the local market, I guess you got two things I was going to ask you about. One is with the slowdown, I would imagine, in real estate with these low oil prices and all, has that affected you? Well, um, what ends up happening in a, in a uh, residential market is that people who maybe were considering building ground up uh, and building their dream home, uh, if in a down economy will tend to stay where they're at, but they still make improvements. That's, that's still you, right? And so it's still me. And so luckily when I uh, was first out of college and living in Los Angeles, the first firm I worked with, William Hefner, architect and design. Hi, this guys. Is, this is Hugh's brother? <laughs> is that, no, <laughs> no should have been, though. Just as charming. Um, we did um, high-end residential work and interiors. And in Los Angeles, the market is such that there, there really is no new land. There, there really isn't. So even a very high-end house was really technically a remodel. So I had to become very proficient at adding on to something and either uh, building something that blended seamlessly and, and, and felt like it was always there, seemed appropriate, or something that maybe was more modern and had a, a contradictory edge to it so that you could see the contrast and tell where the addition was. So I'm, I'm skilled in, in new construction as well as remodels. Um, and, and you'll see that you know when you look through my portfolio, a lot of it is really considered remodel work, but we're talking in some of those projects, it was adding six and 7,000 square feet right. to <laughs> two 6,000. So 12,000 like, total, like 20 tiny houses. it was a remodel, you know, <laughs> and so um, that 
operates at all scales. That's what I was going to say is that um, a good house has good bones and great features that uh, play to the to the the client's lifestyle, but it's all the same subs. It's all the same design. It's all the same checklist of questions. What about um, what's happened recently, and such a sad story, but these floods in Baton Rouge and Acadiana, uh, uh, has that brought in some new business in terms of uh, uh, people needing to remodel and rethink some things? It has, and where I've mostly seen it um, is when I'm going into uh, different vendors in town, my regular vendors, they're all swamped. They're really swamped. So I'm not entirely sure that it's it's brought in a lot of new design business for people, but it's a lot of new construction business. Floors is the biggest thing right now. My my floor <laughs> my floor people at Doug Ashy are just buried. They, they're getting on their schedule now is really tough. But the truth is they're super professional and they're and they're really doing a great job handling an inter enormous influx of people who are shopping under pressure, right? Oh, it's yeah, the right. worst this way to shop. Most of my clients have saved and dreamed for years, and when going into a project, they have this energy reserve, and they're ready to problem solve and, and, and get the job done and make good decisions, and all of these people, unfortunately, that have had flood damage, they this has been thrust on them, wow. and so there's no reserve, and so nope. for them, it's, it's trying to educate themselves about what products are out there, who are the best installers, what is a reasonable timeline, and trying to manage a budget when you weren't prepared. But if you bring in that therapy session you have where you get them to talk <laughs> about themselves, that's a, that's a little couch, that'd be great. They, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of today's show that when we look around and think about it, it's amazing that everything has to be designed by someone. What is equally amazing is how many great pieces of design come from right here in Acadiana, not the least of which are spaces by you, Lisa, and electronics by you, Jared. It's been great finding out how ideas get from your imagination out into the real world. We look forward to keeping up with you and seeing what you come up with next. Thank you so much for taking the time today to join me in Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks it's a great conversation. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been architect and designer Lisa Bork from Lisa Bork Design and inventor and designer Jared Stepp, co-founder of I-10 Distribution. You can find out more about Lisa and Jared's designs by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. and Christian is our researcher. Our theme song, Uncoo Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with brunch on Sundays. If you want to know what we look like, and uh, by now you must be curious, uh, you can find photos from this show on our, on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Gwen Oquan. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's Acadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Launch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon. If you're looking for a location for your wedding, Wyndham Garden Lafayette has 290 sleeping rooms with 14,000 square feet of meeting space to accommodate groups from 10 to 500 for meetings, conferences, weddings, and high school reunions. Additional support comes from ABiz Magazine and AcadianaBusiness.com, the essential information source 
for business decision makers throughout the one Acadiana region. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.